Series podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. I'm so excited to share this interview that I had with Daniela Gill. Daniela is a Akashic Records reader and an Akashic Records practitioner trainer. So she teaches people how to channel information from the Akashic Records. And we collaborated on musing about the rest of 2020 and specifically through combining evolutionary astrology with the Akashic Records, with looking into the transits of Mars retrograde and Mars is stationing retrograde on the 9th of September and it will station direct November 13th and it will leave retrograde's shadow so the place it originally stationed retrograde on January 2nd 2021 so we have this Mars retrograde zeitgeist for the rest of 2020 and not only this but Mars is going to be square Pluto and Saturn effectively for the whole time and Jupiter for some of the time and Mars square Pluto and Saturn, it's a kind of heavy, kind of intense energy. And so there is a lot of information going around that, you know, 2020 is not getting any better. And there's this really hairy kind of gnarly transit. And for me, the way that I relate to astrology is about opportunity and multivalence is a really good word, how there's these there's a spectrum at which the archetypal energies can play out and astrology can be a participatory practice where we can know what energetic patterns are happening, but we can also really feel into our relationship with that and how we want to participate with that. So I feel that astrology and working with astrological information is really a practice of tuning in with what is and how we can be with it. And of course, what is, is also an interpretation and really working with our beliefs and our expectations of things, um, I think is part of the astrological practice. So we wanted to open up the question of what is the rest of the year like um, from these the perspective of astrology and tune into the Akashic records of how we can move through this time period from our highest and I feel really inspired by Daniela. I feel so, so much in her transmission, not just in her words, which are beautiful, but in the way that she embodies the Akashic Records. I've been thinking about how being in our higher self or working with the higher self is a practice. It's something that we choose to come back to time and time again. So it's always beautiful to encounter people that really hold that fire, really hold that flame and speak from that place. I had such a great time interviewing Daniela, and I hope that you find this conversation nourishing for your rest of 2020 and may it empower you and illuminate opportunities for how to be so present with this moment in time. One last thing, if you are new here, 
And this is your first introduction to Magic of the Spheres. Welcome. I'm super excited to have you. And I wanted to also let you know that I do write weekly astrology forecasts at monarchastrology.com. And most weeks, I also share a video version to YouTube. So the best way to stay in touch with me and my astrological offerings and upcoming events and courses that I teach is to sign up for my mailing list. The link is in the notes and you can also find my mailing list at monarchastrology.com. I love sharing astrology with people. I love offering invitations through astrology into sensing the subtle opportunities of the present moment and participating with the transits in a life-enhancing way. I also love teaching people the language of evolutionary astrology through an online intensive that I teach. And again, staying on my mailing list is the best way to be in the know about these offerings and about the cosmic weather every week. Here's our episode. Welcome, Daniela. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) So I had such a great and impactful and inspiring time meeting you and receiving knowledge from the Akashic Records from you and just observing how you embody this um, practice and this communication with that realm. So I'd love to hear from you how you got started with the Akashic Records and being a practitioner. What drew you to it? Ooh, thank you. So I got started after I went to a retreat and one of the practitioners of the retreat offered us all a complimentary 15 minute Akashic record reading. And I had no idea what the Akashic records were. I really had no interest in them. I imagined that it'd be some sort of past life ancestral knowing that perhaps it was not relevant to my life, but I really loved her energy. So eventually I booked the complimentary 15 minute session with her and she said a lot of really far out things that made no sense to me at all, did not resonate. So I just dismissed it as a bit of a flop. It was, it kind of felt like a psychic reading that just, I didn't really understand. And fast forward six months later, everything that she said came true in a roundabout way in like a symbolic way. And I was like, whoa. And I had actually forgotten about the reading until I sat in an ayahuasca ceremony and the ayahuasca showed me the Akashic records and showed me the reading and showed me the accuracy of everything that she had shared. So I was completely fascinated, so captivated, so interested. I ordered a book on Amazon by Linda Howe. It was like an introduction to the Akashic records book Halfway through the book, she prompts you to open up the Akashic Records and through a prayer. And when I said the prayer, I was flooded with what felt this divine healing energy. I felt like love pulsing through every cell of my body. And I saw I saw life through a lens that I had never seen it through before. Like I just felt everything with unconditional love. I was able to see with unconditional love. I felt so clear in my psychic perception before then I was doing psychic readings and they felt a little bit hit or miss. Like I was reaching for psychic information at times, but when I opened up the records, it felt like everything I needed to know just emerge into my psyche. And it emerged with like this divine 
energy to it, with this knowing of our divine perfection, with this complete and total trust in life, with this unconditional love. And it was such a profound experience that it like changed my life. Just this like one hour of opening the records for the first time ever. And after that, I knew I had found my dharma and I just, yeah, dove head first, became totally obsessed. Amazing. So what are the Akashic records for anyone who hasn't heard of them? I experienced them as a subtle energetic imprint of everything that has ever happened, everything that is happening and everything that could happen. Other people call them, like in the Bible, they're referred to as the book of life. They've also been referred to as the cosmic mind or the eye of God. They have many different names and they're this knowing of the story of everything that has ever existed and every being that has ever existed, all of their thoughts, actions, behaviors, and everything that could exist. So they're like the knowing of infinity and eternity. It's like the knowing of the big bang. That is so incredible. Um, so we were going to talk about the upcoming astrology, the Mars retrograde, and this dynamic that's going to be playing out for essentially the rest of 2020 um, with Mars in aspect to Saturn and Pluto, and for a part of that time, Jupiter as well, um, and see how we can perceive that through the Akashic records, um, which I'm really excited about. I've been thinking about these transits for months and feeling like I'm in ceremony with them. Um, and also they're kind of like from an astrological perspective, they're a little bit hairy, like they are kind of considered difficult transits. And so I think it's really important to gain a higher perspective or more perspectives about how to work with them. Um, so that we can find the opportunities in them. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would love to start off by asking you some questions, if that's all right. Yeah, totally. Okay, so, so I've seen a lot from Akashic perspective around what is to come. And it often looks like just many different future possibilities. It feels like the timelines are shifting at record speed. And all that I feel really sure of when I access Akashic perspective is that we're in the midst of this radical transformation. And I want to know from your perspective as an evolution astrologer, evolutionary astrologer, what can we expect in the coming months? And how do you relate to these future predictions that these intuitives and psychics and spiritual teachers are making around like, this is going to happen around this date, like what does evolutionary astrology have to say about all of that? Yeah. So one of the major kind of tapestry, like background elements is that we have Pluto and Capricorn and Pluto and Capricorn is bringing about a massive transformation of the status quo. And it's also revealing to us how deeply entangled we are with reality to the degree that it can compromise our moral compass. So things like eating food that we know isn't really ethically sourced or buying things from companies we know aren't ethical or fueling our cars with things that we know are harming the earth. And that we're just so enmeshed in it that there's this guilt, there's this shame, um, there's a desire to point fingers. And there's kind of like, like I picture 
like an egg or something that hasn't cracked open. And there's just like pushing at the boundaries of it, like wanting to break through and transform society, but also a fear of like, well, how will we be secure? And almost even kind of a sense of like dinosaur energy, like holding on to the past and even fossil fuels as such a direct example of that, like crude oil and Pluto being uh, what is crude in a metaphorical sense, like what's in the underworld, what's um, what's raw, what's primordial, and that we're running the world on this kind of old energy and that there's this grip on it. So there's something about changing the system, but a sense of the descent or the destruction of the system. And I think that that's what we're currently immersed in. And then as far as like the few months ahead for the rest of the year, Mars retrograde, um, because Mars is stationing retrograde, it's moving through degrees of the Zodiac that will keep it in what's called orb, so close enough aspect to Pluto and Saturn for the rest of the year. And Mars square Pluto and Saturn could be a very um, militant energy. It could be very destructive. It could be very tense. And I think that there's a lot of fear around it and a sense of like um, predicting these catastrophic events. And it feels like people are almost like ready for that. Like they're, they're expecting it, they're fearing it. And the way that I understand astrology from how I've been working with it and how it can play out, um, in a personal practice is that the planets are in interaction with our consciousness. And they're also holding the karmic imprints of the cycles that they have been engaged with. So it's like every time the moon returns to Pisces, it remembers every other time it's been in Pisces. So there's this log of events and that we can be very conventional in our thinking of be like, oh, every time Pluto did this, this happened. So therefore it will happen again. But there's so many possibilities and the planets I think are open to evolving with us. I think that the gods are still evolving and that the cutting edge of any of these kind of practices is like discovering what's truly possible instead of just giving into pessimism. And so I think like I have an interest in these transits in particular because they're being forecasted as these very difficult and catastrophic events. And I think there has to be more to it. Wow. As you speak, I am getting full body goosebumps. I love the way that you spoke to all of that. That resonates so deeply because from my perspective, the Akashic perspective, it's constantly revealing the ways in which we are so incredibly powerful. And in many ways, we're like formulating and influencing everything around us at all times. So it makes so much sense to me that just like the Akashic records are constantly informing us and we are informing them. The planets are constantly informing us. And by that same token, we are informing them because they are aspects of our consciousness. Yes. And our nature is evolution. So that was so brilliantly said. And I imagine there are so like an infinite number of ways in which we can respond to the energies coming onto the planet at this time. And from, from a Kashic perspective, I often see it as we're receiving so much light, such an influx of new energies that it is very destructive to everything. Every system that we have in place currently that 
is not holding the best interests of every being in mind and in heart. And yeah, that's, that's what I see as the destruction that is occurring. And it's like, we can move through that destruction with love and possibility and trust and grace and connection to one another, or we can move through it with more of a divisive energy and the expression of more anger and hostility and hatred. And of course, all these things are going to be emerging because they're in the collective field. So they're needing to come to light, but how are we relating to them and what stories are we creating around, around that purge that is happening and that is inevitable? Exactly. It's so beautifully said. So do you think we should open the records? Sure. Spirit, support us in coming into an elevated, expanded state of consciousness. So that I may be one with your perspective. Set aside the totality of my personality. So that I may serve as a clear channel for your divine loving guidance and knowing. Allow me to see all who tune in to this podcast as they are seen in the light of the Akashic Records. Help me to know them as they are known in the mind of God. Enable me to share all the communication of all of our masters, teachers, and loved ones with integrity, clarity, and love. And so it is. The Akashic Records are now open. I am so excited, Sabrina, for these perspectives to be coming through. To hear you speak is like, it delights me because I'm seeing it, it, the impact that it has and the potency of these messages and of this knowing and how important it is to be sharing these perspectives because they're truly is so much fear active in the field at this time. And that fear is draining many of us of our power, of our potency to actually create, contribute to the creation of the future that we wish to experience. Mm. And really understanding evolutionary astrology and the way in which we are interfacing with the planets, like we are one with the planets and we are just as influential as each and every one of them. And these energies that are coming through from the planets, from like our past karmas are not necessarily dictating or determining our future reality. We are doing that in the way in which we interface with these influences. Mm. Totally. What do you think is a a helpful way to transmute fear. The first thing that I saw was by digesting it instead of projecting it into reality. Many people, many intuitives at this time are experiencing fear 
many empaths are experiencing fear because there's so much of fear emerging and being purged from the collective human psyche. And they are interpreting this experience of fear as, oh, it's because something to fear is coming. And that is not necessarily the truth. So know that the emotions that we're experiencing at this time are actually a purge and not indicators of truth. Our intuition does not speak to us from a place of fear. Hmm. Our intuition could tell us at any moment, oh, move to this other place. Oh, go store some food, something like that. But it wouldn't speak to us from a place of fear. This catastrophic, awful thing is going to happen. Like, get ready. It's more of a joyful preparation for the times to come versus a fearful preparation. So the transmutation of fear requires us first to honor and acknowledge that fear, any emotion that we experience tends to inspire us to make up stories as to why we're feeling it. I'm sad because I'm angry because I am fearful because be really mindful of what comes after that because, and know that it may not necessarily be the truth and that it is you who actually is contributing to the creation of truth, to the writing of the story of what is to come. So once you create that foundation, you then can relate to the fear in a way where it can actually empower you and fuel you and be something that you move through your system. And then you get to contribute towards the collective transmutation of fear, liberation from fear, instead of being driven by fear, being like bogged down, disempowered, drained by fear. Anytime that we move energy, we can move emotion. Some of my favorite practices for me personally are, I love cold plunges. I love doing cardio. I love accessing the Akashic records. Sometimes I meditate. Sometimes I do breath work. Sometimes I get energy work from someone else, Qigong, acupuncture, anything that moves energy helps us also move emotions, move fear. Sometimes it's really important to embrace the fear to love the fear and to receive the messages that the fear brings with it. Oftentimes the response from people can be to reject or resist the fear, which then can actually grow the fear and have it turn into an anxiety of sorts. Hmm. What are ways to interface with fear, like to discover what it's telling us? Well, the first thing I saw when you asked that was greeting the fear with love, embracing it, allowing yourself to be one with the fear without condemning it, judging it, trying to push it away, suppress it or repress it. It is truly bringing all of your fear to light, allowing it to go exist, to coexist with your trust, with your connection to divinity with your connection to higher knowing and as you allow it to coexist without pushing it away then you are able to receive the higher messages that fear brings with it oftentimes fear comes in when when we're not truly connected to our intuition, to our higher knowing, to our sense of trust or to appropriate action, sometimes our intuition is asking us to behave in a certain way, to take some action. And if we are not listening, this may cause fear. 
if we are internalizing some of the perspectives, the emotional states of the world around us without clearing it, without transmuting, digesting, processing it, it can begin to accrue in our systems and create fear. It's of utmost importance at this time that we continuously be checking in with ourselves, see how our emotions may be building upon each other and how we may at times need to come into a purgative or a clearing process so that we can come home to our own sense of trust, love, peace, get really good and skilled at our practices that help us return there. Knowing that when we are in places of fear, this is an experience to be honored and validated. And it is in a sense a straying from our essence of peace and of love and knowing that ultimately we will be coming home to peace and of love. That's always what we come home to. I'm curious, Sabrina, what, what are your practices when fear arises for you or, or what do you recommend for your clients around the transmutation of fear? I work with getting clear about what kinds of thoughts are happening and writing them down and then editing them, creating bridge thoughts that open up into a new reality. And um, even sometimes like I picked this one up from Shaman Durek where he spoke about like saying, hey, shadow and like asking yourself a question And so I can like, just look at a wall and be like, hi shadow, like, why am I feeling fear right now? And an answer will bubble up. And it's usually something to the effect of like, I'm keeping you from your power. Wow. That is brilliant. I love that practice. It's been really helpful. I also think about Yeah, just having some way to get into a higher state so that we have access to that consciousness and we can decide, we can kind of like toggle like I'm going to take action or make a choice from a place of love, not from a place of fear. And that if we continually act from our fear, such as we take actions to prevent our fears, we kind of get in a web with them. But when we get into a place of like higher consciousness or love and don't feel that fear in the same way, then we see other possible choices available to us that create webs with like those higher frequencies instead of being entangled in our fear state. Mm, Amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm seeing how that practice is such a powerful contribution to the eradication of behaving from fear and how if we stopped behaving from fear, everything would change. Totally. And it also creates miracles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What do the records say about planetary retrogrades? Like what does it mean when a planet from the perspective of earth is retrograding?
Hmm. I, I, okay. So I don't know much about astrology and I have no idea what a retrograde actually means. And what I, when you asked the question, what I saw was this experience of sometimes it feels like in my personal life, I'll take like 10 steps forward and I'll undergo all of this learning and growth and expansion. And I'm like, yay, yippee, life is so amazing. And then all of a sudden I find myself in a sense regressing and perhaps some old habits or old behaviors will start to arise in my life. And it can feel very confusing and very disorienting. And I saw a retrograde as a doing of that. It's like, we're expanding, we're expanding, we're expanding. But if there's anything left in our field that has not been fully healed or fully processed, like any little remnant layers, the retrograde will bring that to light, will bring that up. That's how, yeah, that's how I saw it. Whatever is like those like bottom roots of what still needs to be learned, what still needs to be brought to light related to that retrograde, related to that planet, related to that influence will, will come up in a retrograde. Mm. That's, I feel that way about them too. And like a sense of a lot of RE words, like refine, recalibrate, review. So that makes sense. Mm. Um, so with Mars retrograde, I feel like there's something around, like my personal experience with these Mars retrogrades has been, like there's been challenges. And I think that Mars is about challenge in some sense. It's the warrior archetype and the warrior develops its strength through obstacles. So during Mars retrogrades, I've found myself in situations that have been challenging and that have been a catalyst for my growth. Um, so my question is how like how can we embody the warrior archetype in a way that is most enhancing or most enlightened? Hmm. It feels like this could be like the response to this feels very different for different people. Like for some people, it can be really supportive to view every challenge, every obstacle as an opportunity for growth, as something to be excited about, as an opportunity to call forth more of our life force energy, more of our power, more of our strength, to cultivate our strength, our resilience, instead of viewing it as something that has gone wrong or judging it as something bad as I am cursed or like, ugh, like feeding some sort of story that doesn't feel good to be living into seeing ourselves as these adventures on this adventure of life and knowing that these obstacles are ultimately serving the evolution of our soul and are guiding us towards exactly where it is that we want to go and exactly where it is that we are meant to go. Everything that is happening is in support of us. And when we interface with challenges in this way, we free up all of our energy to then face the challenge and to move through the challenge instead of feeding stories of like, this is so awful, this is so bad, which then creates resistance, which leaks our energy, which drains of us of our power and ultimately distracts us from our power. 
we're focusing on like, I don't like this, this sucks. Like, and we're entertaining these false beliefs around life being against us, which ultimately creates more of the same. So that's one way. It can be really important during these times to look at the stories that we hold in our psyche that are distracting us from our responsibility to life, meaning our ability to respond, to respond with strength, with power, to respond by activating and taking action in the direction of our highest possibility timeline in any moment. There will be so many temptations in the years to come to drain our power by entertaining ideas of victimhood by believing in these doomsday prophecies, thinking that it is an inevitability, that it is somehow our destiny to suffer. By believing ourselves to be powerless, humanity for so long has been so steeped in darkness, so steeped in ignorance that they have forgotten their oneness with source, their oneness with divinity. And these beliefs, these storylines have grown in their power and their momentum of believing that we are somehow separate, of believing that there is a power outside of us that is that trumps our power. So it's about continuously coming back to the truth within us, which allows us to emerge as these warriors. And these warriors that are fighting on behalf of love, on behalf of service, devotion, self-empowerment, awakening, versus these warriors that are fighting an enemy. It's like a relinquishing of the idea that there is any enemy. We are awakening out of ideas of enemy, of some external force that is somehow against us. Because at the end of the day, we're all one. It's one consciousness that flows through all. So when we are harboring these beliefs of there being some external source that is trying to harm us, that is against us, then we start to play out these stories in our lives and behave in defensive ways. And of course, when we behave defensively, other people perceive that as us attacking. And then they attack and, and we're manifesting these wars through this belief that we are separate, that there's a force against us. So knowing that these beliefs are, they're dying, they're being destroyed. And we are warriors on behalf of love, not warriors against an enemy. There's two memories coming to mind. One was like reading a booklet about like a peace studies program. And it was someone sharing their personal story about how they have in studying peace, they have worked to transmute their inner violence um, and that external violence in the world is a manifestation of people's interior inner violence. And that when we heal that from within, it has a ripple effect on the collective. And the other memory that's coming up is a podcast interview. I don't remember who, but it was a man who had been in prison and he used to be very tough in the prison and would like stab people and, you know, get into these fights to defend himself. 
And one day, or like he went through this spiritual transformation and he basically stopped carrying any weapon on him, any weapon hidden on his person and was in a sense defenseless. He kind of made a vow to be pacifist and he stopped being attacked as well. Like he almost had this air of protection around him. And so one of the things that I really wonder about with Mars and the warrior is like, how does one balance having a, you know, is there a proper level of defense from danger? Um, How does one balance being aware of how to fight if need be, or how to defend oneself if need be, but carry themselves so peacefully that they don't have to defend themselves? Wow. As you were speaking, I saw this interaction with any sort of perceived threat or perceived attack as one where it is not interpreted as an attack or as an enemy or a threat or anything that you necessarily need to defend yourself against. It is an opportunity always to show up in greater love. And that greater love can be more compassion, more patience, or it can be boundaries. It can be saying no. It can be this opportunity to break free from any sort of ideas of victimhood knowing that everything that occurs in our lives, we are co-creating with the world around us. So we are never simply subjected to some sort of villain, some harmful external force, being, person, organization. We have a say in how everything influences us and it impacts us. And all of the beliefs, projections that we are holding into our mind are holding in our mind and project onto others or onto reality, onto future timelines, into what is currently happening actually impacts the unfolding of how others treat us or the unfolding of these future timelines, knowing the power of our own psyche, of our own consciousness to formulate reality. Mm. How would you answer that question? It feels like really deep shadow work and soul work and it's finding the cord of connection between self and the enemy. And often it's, it's unconscious. And I do wonder where the line is in terms of when something has been attracted and when something is environmental Or even, you know, did we all incarnate at a certain time for everything? You know, there's different ways that that line can be drawn. But I do think that in terms of reclaiming personal power, the belief that we attract everything that happens in our lives 
and working with that can be immensely evolutionary and transformative because instead of believing that things are happening to us, we believe that they are happening with and for us. And therefore we can change ourselves from within to evoke a different response from our environment to understand how we are, what part of us is getting activated what part of us likes, what part of us is addicted to, or what part of us is just deeply enmeshed with that thing that we consider our enemy or the challenge that we don't want to have in our life. And that takes the responsibility out of the environment or the other to change and becomes a completely personal empowerment. I am finding these downloads and transmissions and perspectives that you're sharing so valuable. My thought just then was like, whoa, I I need to listen to this later. (laughs) (laughs) I need to listen to it again because I really want to anchor in these perspectives. They're so important. And it's like, sometimes we know it on some level, we know it, we can speak to it. But I feel that for me personally, sometimes I forget. Hmm. And I see, I feel myself behaving a little differently at times, like really forgetting what you so eloquently stated, which I know from the core of my being to be the truth of reality. A really important part of, for me, making like really living into what you spoke to is also recognizing that experiences are never punishments it feels like sometimes people will use this knowing of like you on some level attracted that experience into your life. Like I'm experiencing cancer right now. I must've attracted that or like I'm being abused in a relationship. I must've attracted that thinking that it's, it's the universe punishing you in some way. The universe never punishes us. It's always working on our behalf And it's always in service and devotion to our growth, to our opening our hearts to greater love, to our anchoring in more of our divinity, of our power here in this experience of life. And when we have that perspective, then all the other pieces of what you just spoke to can really integrate into our consciousness more gracefully. This has me thinking about the way that human consciousness has to currently reconcile with media and information from all over the globe. So instead of just knowing what's happening in our communities that are immediately geographical, we are privy to tragedies and disasters and all this kinds of stuff all over the globe. And I think that there's a psychological process of evolution with being able to digest that. And I'm wondering where personal power or like agency exists in making the world a better place when we are aware of so much that is bigger than us and we have our own, you know, ripple or own unique impact to share. Wow. So I first heard the question, where is my place in this? 
what is my most inspired and inspiring role in relating to this and in anchoring in change, transformation, the shifts that I wish to see here on the planet. Many of us have various different roles and sometimes it can be as simple as anchoring in more love within our own present experience, which then has a ripple effects, a ripple effect that reaches the psyche of all beings on the planet and is impacting the very experience that we may feel we, we don't know what to do about. It's important to clear from our psyche any stories of victims or of any group of people needing saving. What we need is empowerment. What we need is remembering. Remembering of our sovereignty, of our autonomy. By that same token, our interconnectedness and interdependence with all life and our oneness with source itself. Meaning that we get to awaken and create a new reality for ourselves. Whenever we are ready. And this is true of the people involved in these tragedies, in these atrocities, knowing that every tragedy, every atrocity, all that occurs is ultimately serving us in some sense. And amidst everything that occurs here on the planet, there is this everlasting sense of peace and well-being amidst all of it. It's like the soul moves through all these different stories and experiences completely unscathed. We heal from everything and we can heal from anything. And if it is occurring, it's because it has a divine purpose and reason for existing and it is serving in some way. Otherwise, it would not occur. There is a magic, a mystery, a purpose fullness to life like it knows what it is doing and when we can surrender our human minds to truly honoring the ways of life the magic the mystery of life and the intelligence that is giving life to all that occurs and then we can relax into our place in impacting it all knowing that that impact doesn't have to look any one way. We can let go of ideas of what it means to support or to help or to have maximum impact. And we can connect with the voice of our own hearts of what truly inspires us. Like what ways are we actually inspired to show up? What is the best use of our gifts, of our life force energy? What does our service and our devotion to love and to life look like right here and right now related to this situation? And that can truly be anything. It can be to like, you know, go sit somewhere in nature and meditate for 20 minutes and just bring in such high frequencies of love relevant to the situation that has impact as well, because all consciousnesses on the planet are connected. What has been your personal experience around that exploration? I have another memory that came to mind of, um, there's these channeled texts by Sanaya Roman that I really love. And every time I read them, I feel tuned up with like my frequency, like it, 
it changes my life. Like I can just decide at the beginning of the day that I want to have like the best day ever. And suddenly the day is like infused with all this magic and things out of the ordinary happen. And like, everything's like glowier just because I had that choice at the beginning of the day. And that book kind of unlocked that capacity for me. But one night as I was falling asleep, I saw this, um, group of people about to start fighting and I was in a hypnagogic kind of like falling asleep vision so there was this wasn't my like will it was just something that I saw play out and in the vision I took a singing bowl and I started to make this frequency Um, and this was inspired I think by one of my friends who said that he would like play singing bowls in like the subway or um, the BART and just watch everyone change because he introduced this frequency. And so in this vision, the people who were about to start fighting forgot why they were fighting and the fight dissipated. And then I had this like distinct knowing that that was a, like that this would be remembered by the cosmos, that it was like a code that in certain situations on the planet where violence or some kind of fighting was about to escalate, that this memory was stored and that it could transmute violence before it even happens. And as I had that thought, I saw this huge flash of white light. um, And I see these lights that help me with my inner visions. So I really do believe that we can impact and create a ripple effect on the planet through our consciousness. And I think that there's a lot of um, resistance to that idea from different belief systems about how, you know, what has impact and materialism and the sense that things have to have this concrete like log of, you know, this influence this, but the idea that a person's mood could influence a room or that a person's spiritual vision could permeate the planet is something that I think um, we're not necessarily taught or it's not necessarily a widely held belief, but I do believe in its reality. And I think that by tuning into those frequencies frequently and living from that place, it has a way of preventing negative, subjectively negative or harmful things from happening in reality. Shaman Durek has said this too, in terms of the things that are happening on the planet is a love problem, a lack of love problem that if we were to be more kind to one another or to like actively create kindness and love, um, it can create a ripple effect where, you know, maybe someone that you're kind to was literally thinking about killing themselves that day. And then they decide not to, and they end up having a family later on in life. And there's this whole ripple effect and you have no idea that you saved that person's life. And I think that, yeah, activating these higher frequencies and kindness and love, you don't even get to see what you've prevented or what you've transmuted, but you just create a different field of consciousness. Mm, So true. Yeah, and I feel like science is starting to prove the reality, the truth of the impact that our thoughts, our emotions, that what doesn't seem to have its basis in the material actually does have on the material. 
like we're seeing how in quantum physics, when simply our observation of a particle actually changes how the particle shows up, our expectation of a particle. So that has huge implications of how we are directing and guiding how the people around us behave according to our expectations of them and our projections onto them. And imagine what it's like for somebody, for some of our world leaders who are receiving all these projections constantly. Like we, we truly are informing one another. Wow. Yeah. And we can. Sorry. (laughs) This comes back to what we had been talking about, about how the planetary transits, like we're informing them as they inform us. So what we expect to happen can inform what happens. Yeah, absolutely. We truly are creating reality through our imagination, through our thoughts. And even then, every thought that we think creates like a neural firing in our mind. Every emotion that we experience does as well. It creates this like biochemical cascade within our bodies. And that has implications in the material because we know that neurons that fire together wire together. So we're actually changing our brain with every single thought that we think and emotion that we experience. So that alone is revealing to us how our thoughts have these imprints in the material. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty easy to see how someone's mood influences us, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Completely. Mm. So, um, you mentioned something about ability to respond and responsibility and Mars will be squaring Saturn and also Pluto and Saturn are in Capricorn, which is ruled by Saturn and Saturn is about responsibility and authority. Um, And so do you have any thoughts about developing a more life enhancing relationship with authority, maybe for those who have a negative connotation of that word, um, what would it mean to come into right relationship with authority? Mm. It's like a balance of having so much respect for authority while never diminishing yourself, demeaning yourself, or like shrinking yourself in the face of authority, recognizing that you are your own ultimate authority. You are the ultimate authority. Yet you can only relate to external sources of authority and perhaps shift them to have your own well-being in mind when you are approaching them from a place of acceptance and of respect. Hmm. It feels like at this time there could be a fighting, a resistance to external sources of authority. And that can actually be a diminishment of our power at times and create a fight that does not allow us to have the experiences of authority that we want to be having. What do you think? That was really insightful about how approaching external authority with 
respect allows there to be a relationship where there is a best interest in mind. And I think that Mars squaring Saturn and Pluto, it feels like there is going to be or could be some fight related to, you know, authority. Yeah. And I see this fight happening between parties, like between people, but also internally in terms of, um, how much we empower ourselves to have a sense of authority, like how we can feel powerful within ourselves versus where we shame ourselves or don't give ourselves permission fully. And in a sense, fight our own authority and tear ourselves down. Yeah. It it feels to me like if we do not trust our own inner authority, then we're going to receive any sort of external authority as a threat. Yeah. They're really resting in the trust of our own inner authority. Nothing can threaten that. And there's nothing to fight. I think of it too, even just with like speaking your truth online, for example, and the fear of trolls or people that will come at you or not like you or tear you down in some way. And it's like, Sometimes like if for me, if I'm tuning in with my purpose, it doesn't matter how it's received. Like I, I want to be in right relationship with reality and be in tune and be in harmony. Right. But if people come at me or have negative things to say to me, there's a certain level of respect and honor for myself that I don't want to let those voices diminish my knowledge and my embodiment of my purpose. And I think that there's a moment of being like, you know, especially when I first started to express myself online and literally feared being killed for it. Like that was the, the story in my nervous system. (laughs) It was that dire. There was a moment of deciding like, I don't care. Like I can't, it's not worth living without embodying this purpose. So if this is the danger that I take upon myself, then so be it. But then as time went on, I don't really have that same level of fear, but I think that there's something very visceral, very ancestral, very karmic, this fear of um, being oneself for the cost that that might have to one's safety. Yeah, I feel like in the past, we have played out so many different stories of speaking our truth and being killed or tortured or ostracized in various ways because of it. But now we are in this new time. It's like it's like this age of bringing so much to light. It's this age of revelation. It's this age of empowerment where speaking our truths, communicating these higher truths is actually ultimately going to be celebrated. Hmm. And there are added elements of safety and we can also create safety for ourselves by remaining so connected to truth, knowing that when there are trolls, when there are people threatening us, hating on us, bullying us, making fun of us, it's not personal. We become these spaces for people's projections. Sometimes when we speak truth, it's like we're shining a flashlight into people's psyches and illuminating aspects of themselves that perhaps they don't want to see, bringing to light their pain, their suffering, their anger, their hostility, their rage, everything within them that is not in alignment with what you have just spoken. 
And sometimes that emotional reaction can be projected towards what so-called caused it. It's like, wow, you caused this anger, you caused this pain. So I'm going to project it on you. It must be your fault. Then it must be because of this. I'm going to make up this story for it. And when we see that that is what is occurring, we can trust in our own innocence and purity and trust in the innocence and purity of the person who is having the response or the reaction, seeing that it is coming from ignorance and it is not coming from evil in the way that we may be conditioned to think of evil. It's coming from their pain. It's coming from their trauma. It's coming from their wounding. And it is only a call for greater love, compassion, and forgiveness, and sometimes greater boundaries. And one form of creating a boundary is just the boundary of, I trust in my purity and in my innocence, and I trust in yours. And Mm -hmm. then you have automatically created a boundary where you are no longer susceptible to these projections. And they don't impact you in a way that drains or disempowers you. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm. So for this time period ahead, the next, you know, the rest of 2020, um, what do you feel into about it yeah, energetically and this part also about rapidly shifting timelines? I do feel like an acceleration or increased energy around actually around the death and destruction of a lot of our hostility and a lot of our divisiveness. It's like we're going to see potentially more antagonistic type of energies arise like a warring types of energies. And there are going to be many different opportunities for us to interface with it all from a place of love, non-judgment, acceptance, and compassion. We are being prepared at this time to truly thrive. And I mean like thrive in the years to come. And part of that preparation is being able to witness what humanity is undergoing and not necessarily get roped in or involved where we are bringing ourselves to that consciousness. It's like if we see a war, if we see our battle, it doesn't mean we have to participate in the war or the battle. It can mean that we hold space for it in a way where we are in a sense, actively involved, but actively involved through the space we're holding, not through actually going to war or going to battle. Wow. So I see those opportunities arising and also the need for us to create greater safety within ourselves and to connect more to our intuition so that we're not so subject to harm in a sense by our intuition, by our empathic nature. When we're connected to our intuition, maybe we can feel that empathically fears arising for us, anxiety, maybe even anger, all these different things. It's all arising within the collective human emotional body and human psyche, but we don't have to make up stories about it or make it mean anything or dictate our behaviors or really like take over our lives when we are connected to our intuition. Our intuition is always going to speak to us from a place of trust, from a place of acceptance. 
always, no matter what it is saying to us. So anchoring in this connection to our intuition, to where we are not as subject to feeling derailed by what is happening within the collective human experience while at the same time feeling very connected to it, connected to it, but, but not disempowered by it. Beautiful. It's like being present. What? It's like being present. Yes. Truly present. So present. Hmm. I'm curious what you see from the perspective of evolutionary astrology for then the rest of the year yeah Hmm. I feel like because Jupiter and Saturn are going to align in Aquarius um, on the solstice and this comes after this kind of gridlock energy of Mars and Aries square, Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, and Capricorn, that there's like breakthrough is a quality of moving past a paradigm and into a new world and breakthroughs. There's always something to break through. And even in the birth process, a a baby leaves the womb or when an egg hatches, the hatchling leaves the egg like there's this process of breakdown that precipitates a breakthrough and I think that it's a ceremony that is going on and that um there's like certain unnecessary levels of antagonism or fear or shame or like these dense things um if we yeah engage a lot of resistance But if we trust in the birth process and the way that something, something that has been in our lives, something that has been in our psyche, something that's been in the collective psyche is coming up. Like there's this, I think that a lot of people are engaging like an apocalyptic consciousness where they, they don't think that there is a future. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the, um, in the birth process, like there's a a moment where the cervix, like contractions have started, but the cervix hasn't dilated. So for the infant, and this is from Stanislav Grof's work, but the infant has this feeling that there's no exit and it feels like, yeah, there's no way out. And when we're facing difficulties or challenges, sometimes that we can activate that thread of trauma of like really feeling like there's no way out. And I think that being, you know, having, when I think about like the purpose of engaging a higher perspective, like not only for how good it feels and like how nourishing it is to the spirit, but how it allows us to detach enough from circumstances to get a bigger picture view, but then also to come back into our circumstances and figure out how to be here in a way that is meaningful. So like not to check out, not to dissociate, but not to be overly enmeshed either. So I think that there's something coming up for the collective about being in that like birth process of the breakthrough where the new world has not yet formed and 
this could be, it affects everyone differently depending on their circumstances and, you know, what is coming up for them specifically. But I think that there's a quality of, yeah, ceremony of some kind of transition, but a slowing into maybe that grind where we're not sure what's going to happen. And I think that that's where like courage comes in and like being, staying really present with ourselves so that we don't tip over into fear or kind of catastrophe thinking, but still find what is the best response? How can I best participate? Mm. Yeah, I love that perspective worded so beautifully. I love the example of of like the yeah the birthing process and what that experience is like and i do imagine that the collective human consciousness does hold that trauma in their psyche and is is expecting it in life and and now we're here having these very real experiences that are triggering the reenactment of that trauma and i feel like one of the most important things to do at this time is to recognize that a lot of our fears are being triggered and for good reason, because we are seeing like the reality is we are seeing the death and destruction of a lot of the systems that we currently have in place. We're seeing a lot of change, a lot of transformation and the psyche, which has undergone all this trauma can immediately go towards like these fear, like doomsday apocalyptic, like, whoa, without recognizing that that death and destruction is actually the answer to our prayers. There's so much happening and so many systems that we have in place right now that are not supporting our thriving and our well-being. If you look around at the state of humanity, the state of the planet, we don't want to continue in the direction that we've been heading. So now we are, in a sense, course correcting and we're destroying everything that is not supporting our thriving, that is not in support of our well-being, that is not in support of our empowerment. And, and then we see all of that that is dying at this time and make up stories of, yeah, make up a couple apocalyptic scenarios. But what, what is an apocalypse? It's, it's a great death. So in some ways there's validity to that. It's just not what many of us think. It's not like some awful thing. It's actually the greatest transformation ever known that guides us towards an experience of heaven on earth, unlike anything humanity has probably ever experienced on a mass scale. Wow. Mm. Hmm. Do you feel... What? I loved this conversation with you. Oh. Really profound. Thank you. Thank you. I loved your insights as well. And thanks also for asking me questions. That's always fun. <laughs> brilliant I love the way your mind works I see how these perspectives are just going to change so much around the planet and I will really want to encourage anybody listening to this to like to share these ways of relating to everything that's occurring because that that one it's like seeing it through that lens just once from one other person can really help us anchor in a new way of relating to everything that is occurring that can actually place us on these other timelines. Hmm. Totally. I've been having an experience lately of I've been journaling and 
noting my fears as they come up, talking myself through what's going on and like making prayers. And I'm watching the situations play out gracefully and like arriving to my destinations at like 33 or 44 of the hour <laughs> and just like things coming through where I'm like, okay, like the universe is participating with me. Um, and I think that sometimes all we have to do, yeah, is have that perspective shift or ask for help from our angels and guides and, um, change the course a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how our fears take on these stories of their own. One of my personal biggest fears is for there to be some sort of interruption in the food supply. Hmm. That's like my biggest fear. Like, oh my gosh, my superfoods, my like organic foods. Like I'm just so attached to all that I eat. But when I access the Akashic records and ask about the likelihood of this happening, like what would this experience be like? It's like, it's almost like the beings that I communicate with are like laughing. They're like, all right, Daniela, imagine some experience where you have to live from a garden or from a farm and you don't have access to grocery stores, what happens? You Let's say you only have enough food in the farm or in the garden for one meal a day and it's like directly from the food in the garden. Well, what ends up happening is that you liberate so much of your energy from all the digestion that you're doing constantly and you gain so much of your power from thinking that you need to gain energy from food that you actually end up feeling so light and so clear and your body undergoes this like amazing healing where it's like you're in this like continual state of just feeling so much energy, kind of like how I felt when I've done different fasts and cleanses. It's like, imagine being in that state for like an entire year consistently, because the truth is you bog yourself down pretty regularly with like large amounts of food. And like food that you don't even need to be eating. So once I saw the reality of like my fear actually playing out, it's like, oh, okay. It's wow. just like this totally empowering experience that is actually in a total support of me. Even though deep inside I have this fear of like, what if I can't have like my three meals and two snacks a day, like the exact foods that I want. And like, I can't just eat food that grows from the ground. Like I need bread and cookies and crackers and ice cream. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> reality is you'll feel a lot better not eating any of those things and eating directly from the earth for some period of time <laughs> yeah I like that like engaging the what if and figuring out how you'll be okay there yeah it's like my worst fear is actually the actual lived experience of it is pretty awesome. And I saw that in quarantine, like when quarantine started, I was like, ah, like stuck in one place for like weeks, months at a time, like had to cancel all of my retreats, had to like, like, I was like, I don't know how to make money right now. I was solely making money from like retreats and in-person events and the, how the reality played out was such a gift, everything mm -hmm. that came from it. So I feel like everything that is to come is just going to be more of that. There is like, I feel like this attunement of trusting life that opens up a lot of blessings and yeah, it's like trusting the self to adapt to whatever happens too. Yeah. So. Yeah. We are so much more powerful and resilient than we give ourselves credit for being are there any other messages that you feel coming through through the records? Let me see. 
a message about our audience, all of our listeners trusting in their connection to higher perspective, to their own inner knowing, to empowering the clear sight of their third eye, to practice perceiving life through the lens of the third eye, knowing themselves to be one with this all-knowing space, one with divinity, knowing that you share one mind with the mind of God, the mind of spirit, the universe source, whatever you want to call it. And that you always have this capacity, this ability to come into this elevated, expanded state of consciousness and begin to perceive life through that lens. And as you do, you will find that you will naturally anchor in more love, more trust, and these high frequency energies, which will help you in the transmutation of any fear, any hostility, any antagonistic perspectives, any anxiety that you may be experiencing. Everything that you experience is temporary. You will move through it all. And it is all serving your growth. It is all in service to you. It is all in devotion to you. And by that same token, you exist to serve all of life. And as you activate your devotional template, you will activate more of your purpose, your mission, and experience greater fulfillment, greater safety, greater security, greater love and joy here on the planet, greater prosperity as well. And then I saw this image of like our lotus, our locus of control, our locus of power for eons, humanity has placed it outside of them, expecting that there is some sort of external savior, some sort of external authoritative figure or parent that is going to help them, guide them, save them, tell them what to do bringing that locus back within you. You are, you are a face of the savior and you are a face of this parental figure and you are an authority. You hold the power within to guide humanity towards its healing, towards its transformation. It is time that we stop looking outside of us for someone else to save us, help us, guide us, and begin to save, help, and guide ourselves. Also recognize that there's really no world that needs saving necessarily. Meaning that we can relate to what is occurring from the space of acceptance and recognition of its divine perfection versus thinking that it is something that has gone wrong. Nothing has gone wrong. There's an intelligence of brilliance guiding it all. You can surrender to and trust in this intelligence. It is so beyond the comprehension of the human mind. And it is taking care of absolutely everything. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I think those are all my questions for the records. For now. 
<laughs> I would love to know if there's any like, so the final little thing before we complete this is I would love to know if there are any like reoccurring themes that you see coming up as you explore the astrology of these times and the years to come. And like, yeah, what is that one message for our audience around navigating what is to come? Reoccurring themes in what way? Like, I've heard that over the next seven years, for example, it's going to be like a really chaotic, destructive, transformative time. What do you see when you look at the planets and the stars and how can, and like, what does this mean for us from your perspective? Hmm. So... I actually haven't looked out into the transits too much in depth. A lot of what I feel internally is this, like I was born during a a new moon-ish, like Sun and Aries, Moon and Taurus. It's still the new phase. And the way that when I feel into the future, I don't feel fear when I've looked at transits far in advance, I'll get full body chills. And there's a part of me that it's so numinous. It's like, how do I even talk about this yet? And then I end up forecasting, you know, each week. So I'm like writing very moment to moment about what's happening. And what I sense is that there's, and, you know, coming from this place is that there's more to the story than we even know. And when we project far out into the future, we project our current limits of knowledge and our current fears onto the future. But there's going to be, you know, imagine even like the internet is such a radical, like revolutionary part of social consciousness on the planet. And who necessarily imagined that before it happened? So I'm like, I hold space for like what we don't even know will come. And Mm -hmm. I think that um, the only thing that I really feel a kind of like intuitive hit about is just like continued technological developments. I think that we're evolving so quickly and even just thinking about like 300 years in the past versus where we are now and just like how exponentially humans grow and human society grows. I think that there's um, some technology around like, like green technology or things that are more in harmony with nature or like a possibility that I'm investing in. Um, And by investing, I mean like holding an image for, And I think that we, we can invest in our fears. We can invest in our dreams, you know? So there's that. Um, And then just with like Mars retrograde, I think that they're a season of like increasing self-accuracy and becoming more skilled. The like Mars is the warrior. And I think that the like Mars can be brute energy where it's just like, raw force without any channeling. And then you also have the warrior who's immensely skilled. And I think that Mars retrogrades really bring out like the necessity within us to become more skillful about life and more skillful in challenges in life. So I think that 
engaging this time period with both this like warrior spirit and a sense of peacemaking because it's not just fighting to fight but it's like that um energy of believing that we can be effectual and figuring out what it is that we need to orient within ourselves to become accurate in that way and i think that it's it's an up leveling and that if we look at it that way back to what you were saying about like seeing things in our life as challenges that we can be excited about i think that that can change bring so much levity and joy into our lives versus when we feel attacked by the things that happen in our life. Yeah. Wow. Such a, such a supportive shift in perspective. Thank you. Thank you. I loved this. Me too. So I just want to say too that meeting you was such an impactful experience because of the the energy that you hold and the way that you approach life is like palpably felt and I feel you living it out. And even just the way that you pray over food really inspired me and reminded me to do that. I've had times in life where I pray over my food Um, when life is especially magical and it almost feels like I'm like protecting that magic by remembering to be grateful for what is, you know, but watching you pray over food reminded me that you can actually like infuse the food with like pleasure and heart opening and expansion and nourishment. Like you can bring this, um, really like juicy and like fun and, um, magical energy into that, which you're going to digest, Um, so I've just been having, I felt re-inspired about creating magic and, um, yeah, just really appreciate how you move through life. Um, so I'm really grateful to have met you and to get to have you on the podcast. Oh, yay. Thank you so much for saying that. That's actually such a divine reminder for me to continue praying over my food because today I didn't. And it's like such a reminder, like bring the magic in, like bring it in. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So, um, how can people find you, work with you, learn more about your, like you do, um, trainings for the Akashic records, right? Yes. And I have a training starting very soon, September 21st, 2020. I have my next group training. It's called Akashic Metamorphosis and it's virtual. We meet online twice a week for two hours and we are all going to be learning how to access the Akashic records, how to cultivate an Akashic records practice where we learn how to come into a higher perspective to bring about healing and transformation in our own lives and begin to view our lives through this perspective. It brings forth a lot of like incredible psychic information that helps us see our subconscious and our unconscious, which really is directing and guiding our lives. And we also are going to learn how to share Akashic record readings with others in like a really clear and loving and empowering way. And that's an eight-week online training that starts so soon. I also share one-on-one readings. And people can find me through Instagram. It's at Daniela Gill Love. 
My website is daniellagill.love or they can look me up on Facebook. Just my name, Daniella Gill. Amazing. I really loved um, talking with you today and also like um, the Akashic session that we did was so powerful and so catalyzing. Um, so I'm so glad that you do this and are sharing this with the world. Mm, yeah, me too. It's my favorite thing to do. So thank you so much for the honor of, of sharing here on your podcast. And it's been such a joy to connect with you. I received so much from your astrological transmission that you offered me when we met. And I also loved taking in everything that you said today, like really valuable for me, really incredible messages. So thank you. And to our audience, I hope that it, it serves you all as well. Thank you so much, Daniela. Mm. Thank you for listening. I'm really excited to share the forecast in the next few days about the Mars retrograde because I've been having this whole like Mars retrograde ceremony. I've been having these synchronistic moments of thinking about Mars and then looking up and like literally seeing Mars from my window in the sky or thinking about Mars at the very moment that I'm passing a man who points to the sky and says to his friends, that one is Mars. Like I'm I'm feeling it. I'm really excited to share the astrology of this moment. So if you've been enjoying this podcast for a little bit and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and take a screenshot before you click submit and email it over to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll take down your email and send you a free gift. And I'm going to start sending this out September 10th. It's a resource library containing several videos around the theme of creating and elevating your reality. I started to value this line of thinking, creating one's reality, as a way to rewire my brain away from chronic depression. And seeing the results, changes in my life that came from shifting my perception and making choices from those new perceptions has felt nothing short of miraculous. There are the times to go into your descent or feel your feelings through, and there are also times you may want to intentionally uplift or intentionally cultivate a dream into reality, and that's what these videos are to help with. No downloading is necessary. You can watch the videos right in the library. So if you've been enjoying this podcast, go ahead and send me that screenshot of a review and leave the review, and I will send you that resource library. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I do want to say too, that your reviews mean so much. Um, it actually does really help the podcast become more visible and it helps me bring in more guests. I got an email recently from a publicist of some authors wanting to schedule these authors on my podcast. And I recognized the name of one of them, actually a few of them. And I had been wanting to interview her and hadn't reached out to her yet. And I was just overjoyed that the opportunity came my way. So when you review this podcast, not only do you help more people see it, but you really help bring in um, guests to share their wisdom on this show. And it really means so much to me. All right. Thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch and find me back on this podcast soon. Mm-hmm.